Joshua chapter 1, from verse 1 to verse 9. We're basically sidestepping the book of Acts for a bit. It says this, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Like, have you ever lost a mentor? Like, how, like, void that must have felt. Like, that was the go-to leader. He was the one with the staff and the strong voice. And you no longer had this central, strong figure to look at for guidance, for stability. Have you ever had a patriarch in the family that offers that stability? Right? And when the patriarch is gone, there's a sense of like shakiness. Like, who do I look to now? Who's going to call the shots? Who's going to create that environment for the family? Who's going to, to gather people? It's not just a family reunion setting. We're talking about a nation, a million plus people that look to the figure Moses for strength. And he's gone. And so this must have landed on very difficult ears. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, don't you love those transitions? Arise. And you can sense kind of a spirit of apathy. Kind of like nobody was rising up. Nobody was stepping up to the challenge. Everyone was just passive and waiting. Who's going to do what? Moses is gone, now therefore, get up, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and to this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. For I have, not com have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. That's the third time he says that. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. You say these words to somebody who's afraid. Like this is a, like a passage of scripture that it is God communicating to somebody that is in fear, that is afraid to move, that is immobilized. 
that is frozen. This is what you say to such a person. So I've titled this message Outnumbered. And I think it's an appropriate one, right? Joshua is leading a million people, right? Men, women, and children. But he's looking over a river to a land that seemed vast, filled with fortified cities, kings, and peoples that far outnumbered the men that he was leading. And God said to Moses, I give you this land. That this is, I'm giving this to my children. And Joshua inherited the mission, right? Like he took over the family business that was too big for him, right? Like he didn't know if he was properly trained as the protege, as the, the mentee, right? And now that the, that the CEO was gone, as the founding pastor, as the founding leader and, and person of that group, Gone now, Joshua assuming command. He was introduced as the servant. That's not a very flashy big name title, right? Like you have a business card and you put like servant underneath as your title. That's not like, you know, like commanding, right? That's not like saying, ah, yeah, I lead a million people, right? Joshua, the servant of Moses. The young guy. The one that had... No experience doing this. The one that was probably in the corner of his tent thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Like, I'm the only one that should be doing this, but like, I, I don't feel like I can. Can't you see? I can see him in the corner. Like, I, I see God speaking to somebody sitting in the corner with his head between his knees. That's what I see in this passage. Right? And Joshua's looking out at a land of promise, a land that he was supposed to inherit, a land that he's supposed to take possession of, and he's afraid. And the voice of God comes, be strong. Have a backbone for a second. I'm with you. Be courageous. I'm going to give it to you. You know, I in so many ways equate this passage of Scripture to how I feel about our church how I feel about my own leadership over this church and what I believe God can do before us, where I believe He can take us. And in many ways, I, I feel as though I am Joshua, ill-equipped, not ready, and in many ways, insecure to the task. And the voice of God comes to me with the monumental vision and saying, I'm with you, I'll give it to you, I can do this. It's not about you, but actually you will give it, but I will do it through you. And the voice of God comes so clearly, and I feel outnumbered, but then you look and wait, one plus God is greater than infinity, right? And so though I look with my human eyes that I'm outnumbered, that we're outnumbered, and Joshua must certainly have felt that. But as soon as you add a million plus God, it is greater than the multi-million and the vastness of the cities that were before him. You know, this journey for us to get into this facility here has been, I woke up this morning, it's been long, right? I woke up this morning thinking to myself, wow, it's been like a year since we were actively looking for a facility. And what, what, what came to me was like we had a board-to-board -board meeting with a church in, in Anaheim, actually, not too far from here, 
on our wedding anniversary, which is June 4th, which is also Alden's birthday. We're forever linked that way, right? <laughs> right? And I remember having our board meetings meet on that Sunday, right? And so our anniversary was coming up. I was thinking about that. And so I think, wait, like I had talked to the pastor not long before our anniversary and how that had all happened. And I went back in my calendar this morning. It was April 20th, my meeting with that pastor, right? Like this week last year, all right? And so from that first church and all of the discussions that went about and then leading from late summer, early fall to a possible merging thing and then in the fall to a completely different scenario in, in Santa Ana and all of the things that unfolded and we find ourselves a year removed from really that first discussion of facility now worshiping in this space. I never would have imagined a year out that we would be able to get a space with this square footage at our current church's size with our financial dynamics and all of the things that were surrounding us, including my own emotional, mental condition. And you throw a wrench in all of that with my health last summer, right? You remember in, Ju in, Ju in July, I mean, I couldn't even leave. So I was carted off to the ER by our praise leader. All of the things that was going on. Like this last year, I think this is probably a little more sensitive because it's not something that you proudly put out there. This last year, I battled with depression. Like battled with it. It was difficult. Like even now, as I just let that come out of my mouth to you, like I'm having trouble like holding back the water in my eyes. Like it's like I just think about this last year. It's like, whoa, like man. It was like, yeah. And all of, of that, and uh, we arrive here, like this last week, after we moved everything in, I probably spent like 60 to 80 hours here. Not because like I wanted to work a lot, but just because I was thankful. Like just to have a space. And like God's grace and mercy. Like I don't deserve this. Like the thoughts that were swirling through, like being that close, like I'm talking an inch away from like letting go. I, I, I felt like God. And so, like, I would uh, come in here, I'd shut off all the lights and just put some backlights. I'd turn the, thank you, the, the music really loud in here, and I'd just pray. First, just thanking God. that he put up with me that like you know that imagery of covenant right like contract is this that's contract one person lets go it's broken covenant is this one person lets go you're still connected right and this is how i felt like i was letting go but god was saying ah not so fast there because i saw the numbers I saw like we were on the short end of the stick. We were on the lesser than side of that little symbol. 
And even though my, my fingers had let go mentally, emotionally, God was like, ah, I gotcha. I gotcha. And so with gratitude, whatever it was, I was just like, Lord, like what else could be done without spending a lot of money this week? Like, is there anything that can be done? Is there a, a sink or a toilet that can be cleaned? Is there a piece of garbage on the ground that needed to be picked up? Is there a gate that could be fastened? Is there an element of the sound or the cabling that could be just put through? And I was like, Lord, just show me. And I probably didn't sleep a lot, not because I was worried, but just because my mind was just there. It was just like, Lord, I'm thank, thank you. Just show me. And, you know... Yeah. And so I'm tremendously thankful for just God's grace, His provision, for having a, a faithful wife that called my crap. <laughs> like, like, I have a faithful wife that knows how to prod with conviction and humility and uh, who stands her ground with grace and yet supports with strength. Um, the privilege that I have of the boys and just serving this church, like just, just so many things to be thankful for. Let me get back to the message. Excitement and trepidation. This is exactly how I, I feel like Joshua felt. This is how I, I feel, like almost every day. <laughs> like excited, but like, oh, there's an element of fear. And I've come to realize that having faith in God is not about having no fear. I've come to realize that. That too often we guilt ourselves if we have fear. And we say, like, if I only believed in God, I wouldn't be afraid. I think that's complete rubbish complete rubbish. I think it's because we have a clear and present fear in our lives that we have something to have faith in. It is not because we have no fear that we have faith. It is because we are in fear that faith can set in. And Joshua, in the midst of his fear, the fear of leading people that he probably didn't know as well as Moses, the fear of going into a land that was unfamiliar to him, the fear of trying to conquer cities that seemed unconquerable, the fear of trying to open doors that were slammed shut, the fear of trying to take things that were hard fastened to the ground. How does this remove itself? That fear. The fear of going into a position that you have no right going into. The fear of having children in your lives that you were really not equipped to be a parent for. Right? The fear of going into spaces that just you're unsure of. But doesn't that fear also bring a sense of excitement? Being a first-time parent, as some of us are. Going into a new workspace. Getting into a new relationship having milestones in a relationship. Doesn't that fear and trepidation provide an interesting, fertile ground for excitement? 
Because isn't that how hope is born? You can only hope when things seem bleak. When you're in a dark room, you can see light. But if it is bright out, you can have bright lights on all around. And you're like, ah. But when you're in the rough patch, you see the flower. When things really stank, that's when you get that fragrant aroma. It is in the contrast that there is beauty. And it is in the presence of trepidation, it is when I know I can and should have probably given up that there is hope and faith in God and His presence shines through and that little glimmer brings excitement, right? Like, I shouldn't be able to do this, but somehow it's working out like that, right? Somehow we should have failed, but we're still alive. That, it's like, wow! And it's that excitement, that is born from trepidation that I think gives one of the greatest beauties of life. If you're afraid to get into an arena or to take a responsibility, I think in faith if you choose to venture out and believe that God can bring an excitement that can be really born no other way. And so Joshua inherited the mission of conquering and settling a land, the land of Canaan. This was no small task. I mean, I assure you, there were cities there that were untakeable. I assure you, there were armies that far outnumbered them. I assure you, the other folks' weapons, they looked better. It is a lot harder to take down a wall from outside a city than it is to keep it standing from within. And time and time again, this nation, sometimes with only instruments, the horns of rams, would just walk around cities. And somehow, thundering crashes would ensue. How does that happen? How does God conquer unconquerable cities? How does God give facilities? How does He do the big and the small? Somehow, he has a way of doing that. And so all of his military advisors, all of Joshua's mental conversations, they were leading down a path of defeat, of like, I just don't know. And in this moment, God pauses. He slowly pushes back the curtain. And he whispers in the ear, I'm with you. Like, I'm here. I'm with you. I know you saw the people and you didn't see me, but I want you to see me now. I want you to see the people after you look at me. I'm with you. I want you to see your job after you see me. I'm with you. I want you to see your family, your, your spouse and your children after you see me. I'm with you. And he clarifies the, the priority, the, the progress of vision. See me first and then look at the responsibility. Because if you see me first, it changes how you think about the responsibility. This is how I feel about our church right now. I'm excited <laughs> and it's handcuffed to fear in many ways. 
I look at some of the possibilities as I drive the streets here. I think about what some of the possibilities are in our actual physical building, this space. And I have both. And somehow I hope that it relates to you. That if it's your career or family, if it's your mental space or spiritual space, that if you have fear, if you have trepidation, hang on. Hang on. And get ready for hope, for greater things. Don't walk away from things that cause trepidation. Because if there is reason to fear, there is reason to pursue. The next thing that I'll say is that God gives. God gives. Like, uh, I, I wrote this for you in your sermon outlines. In the economy of God, there is both stewardship and grace. Stewardship is my effort, what I do, right? Like, I manage. A steward is a manager, right? right? And so the owner has stuff, and as a steward, I manage them well. I make sure it's partitioned outright, that, that everything is going to meet, all the ends are tied correctly. I'm, I'm a steward. God has given me health and resources. I'm a steward, and so that's my effort. In God's economy, stewardship is a big thing, right? It's big. But there is also grace. Grace is... Not effort. Grace is what God gives. Grace is being a recipient. And in the economy of God, there is both stewardship and grace, but I must never forget grace is always first. Always first. Always. Why? Because I must be given something to steward well. Health. I can't have that apart from God. No matter how much I work out, no matter how much I eat well, I need life and health. I need the breath of God. God gives us our capacities. We sharpen our brains by reading, but God is the one that gave the will and the intellect. That is grace. I, I try to husband or, or father correctly, but the family that I have was given by grace. I try to do well in school when I was a student. I try to do well as a pastor. But all of that I first received by grace. I live in this country by grace. I have the resources by grace. I have opportunities by grace. And now that I have been given them by God, now I try to manage it well. I try to organize it well and make sure it's maximized and used correctly. That is my effort. But I must first be given something to steward. That's why I must embrace the truth that God gives. That He is a generous God. That He can give things that I do not deserve and that I have not even thought about. You know, I had gratification in very small things also this week. I'm sitting on one of them. I absolutely love this stool. I, I, like, I would sleep with this if I, if I could. But I don't think Jenny would like that. Like, I had this, it's a smaller, a little bit of a smaller room here, right? And so I was thinking, you know what? Small room, let's have more of an intimate, like, feel. And so it's 
I'm going to arrive. I ordered it like a round bar table that's a little bit higher. And that's going to be my pulpit, right? It, it feels a little more intimate, right? And so I was like, I had the image. It, should, it can't have a high back because it's too visually obstructive. And I don't want the round wood one with no back because that's just no support and it takes too much energy to sit up straight. And I had this image of color and everything, right? And I was like, I don't want to spend, like I saw a couple, I don't want to spend a couple hundred bucks on a stool, right? And so I was looking around and I found this on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> I drove right away to go get it. I got two, I got one for hands in the back too, right? And so when I, I showed it to him, I said, Hans, you got the most expensive seat in the house, right? And I love this. It's got a little leather finish. Please come after the service and admire it, okay? Right? It's, it, it, it's got adjustability. I can bring it down or high. It's got a little bit of hydraulic like pump to it where it's really comfortable. And it's got a nice little sloped back. Nice and low, but enough support. Yeah, like this was a small detail. I was like, God, thank you. The tables out there, thank you. I found that on Facebook Marketplace as well. The color, just the feel. It was like, Lord, we want cafe tables, 24 by 30. They need to be a light color wood and a chrome base. Not black because black is heavy. Domineering looking. I found it. $25 each. How does that happen? They're brand new. They're heavy and sturdy. Please sit down over there. Admire those second after the service today. Okay? And I'm telling you, it was the small details like that where I was literally kneeling here midweek just thanking God, saying, Lord, even in these small little details, you are there. You, like you saw what I wanted and you, you even granted those tiny little things. And he's saying to me, if I can give you small things, things that you really didn't like pray specifically about and I knew, what makes you think I can't give you the larger ones that you're actually praying about? I hope this relates to you. I hope the passage on Joshua speaks to you in your family, in your space, in your work. God gives. Embrace the grace of God and embrace His gifts. He is a good, good Father. And He wants to give good things to His children. And He can give things that we have not even dreamed about. The things we think about just faintly while lying before we drift off into sleep. They say, ah, you want that? You like that? He makes a note of that. Ah. And, I, and I see that in our church. This last week, and I was trying to talk with different contractors to really get some good kind of uh, connections to small things, whether it be boarding up these windows, whether it be the floors or the walls or, or stuff. And like just people were like just telling me stuff, like connecting me and like, like that cheap? Like really? Like really? <laughs> right? And just, just thankful. And I hope that we as one heart and one mind, you know, maybe not actually next Sunday, but if we can get certain things, maybe next Sunday or in the Sundays that ensue. Like, just get ready. Have an old pair of jeans and a t-shirt in your trunk, please, for the next month at least. Okay, just do it. Right? And some old tennis shoes that you, like, you just, that hung around 
but you never wear, leave those in the trunk too. Because you'll never know when you're going to arrive on a Sunday and it's going to be a work day. <laughs> It'll be a work day, all right? And so we like free labor at City Chapel. So let's get ready for that. Let's build this house as our own. As in the Old Testament, when they were bringing their trades and their resources to build the house of God. Let us have that mind as we build this house together. I'm going to close as our praise team comes back, and I'll share two things. First is this, as I exit. Walk over and through places of meaning. Let me reread verse 3 for a second. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you. Right? You need to see the significance of that. Right? Like, that space over there, God can give it. But what he's saying to Joshua, you actually need to walk over it. Right? You need to actually get your presence and get your mind and your eyes on the space. See it. Get there. Have at least the energy and the mindset to walk the land that I want to give to you. Because if your foot doesn't tread on it, that's not the land I'm giving to you. But if your foot and your toes touch it, I'll give it to you is what he's saying. Every place on which the soles of your foot tread, I am giving to you. That is significant. And so what I want to say is do prayer walks. Walk through your company. Walk through your home, your bedroom, your spaces. Walk through this church, your community, your neighborhood in faith, believing in this way that if my presence and my vision and my faith can actually get there, God can give it. God can give it. And so walk through those meaningful spaces and say, God, I claim City Chapel for you. Walk through the aisles. Walk through the front and the back and an eventual kids' room. Walk through the fellowship and say, Lord, I pray that the conversations here, I pray that the worship here and the prayers offered here would be of substance and of meaning, that restoration and healing and salvation would come into this space, that there would be healing in this community, that the broken will come, that the affluent will come, and that we would find our hope and pleasure in You. As we walk and see and say, God, You can give it. God, you can give it. And so you're going to like walk next to your CEO's office. God, give me this, right? God, give me that, right? I don't know if it works in parking lots, like on busy holiday seasons. Like, God, give me that one. But in faith, walk through it. See it. And you're like, ah, oh, I just don't know. Just do it. And lastly, A life that gives glory to God is the fullest life that I know. Like, I don't know of any fuller life than this, right? That a life that points to God and say, He did it. Like, He, I don't know how, but He did it. I don't deserve it, but He did it, right? This is the fullest way that I know how to live. And the happiest people that I know are people that live this well. The people that are totally satisfied are the people that live like this. Whether they have a lot or a little, doesn't matter. Like, we're talking about satisfaction and joy that is just interwoven in the fabric of a being or family. They live like this. This is the fullest way to live. 
This is the fullest way to be as a church. Not to say, like, we built this with our own hands. This is our own money. This is my offering, right? No, God, thank you for your grace. You've given us things we could not even dream of or imagine, things that were beyond our financial capability. And you saw things. Let's live this way. Amen? Amen. Let's sing a song as we close.